2: Zumo play.
0: Let's go! This is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi.
3: Now here is your host, Stormy Vanatoni, on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Welcome back into the Lombardi line presented by DraftKings alongside former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. I'm Stormy Tony. We're coming to you from coast to coast. Michael out of his office in Jersey. I'm live at Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. We got two great games coming up today as we close out the divisional round and two fun ones yesterday where... It looked like both were going to be close throughout but then boy did the Baltimore Ravens pull away against the Houston Texans <laughs> yeah. in the second half. People, how yeah. dare people doubt Lamar Jackson Michael?
3: Yeah, I mean all those, oh, I shouldn't have bet this, you know. <laughs> and and it looked look, let's face it, the punt return, you know, ties the game. They missed the field goal. They would have gone in at halftime 13 to 10, but uh. as I said, you know, they were they were up 7 to 6 the first game. It took a while. And this was the perfect example of of playoff football, right? There's the game plan. There's what we think is going to happen and then what actually does happen and how we adjust to it, right? So that's got to be the case. I think we saw it in both games. I think we saw it in the 49er game where, you know, Green Bay was really good in the first half, and once the 49ers' defense kind of adjusted themselves out, Jordan Love wasn't as effective as he needed to be. They got some plays on the ground, but, you know, after the second touchdown, you know, it went went interception, punt, missed field goal, interception. So they were able to get a little bit control. They adjusted their game plan, figured out what was happening. That's happened in the Baltimore game, too. Baltimore was really stunned, as I was, to see the aggressiveness of the Houston Texan defense blitzing 69% of the time. Typically, they do it 22%. Really saying, you know what, we can cover you. You know, We're going to get up in your grill. We're going to make you hold the ball. And we're going to put some stress on your offensive line. And that was a real issue. And then Todd Munkin credited him. And the offensive staff, they came out in the second half, quick throws, you know, three-step drop passes, get the ball out of Lamar's hands all of a sudden. Now, Houston needed to adjust, and that's when they couldn't adjust. Houston didn't have another thing to go to. This is what happens when your team relies on kind of the initial plan. You're not as good a team talent-wise to be able to then play, okay, if we do this, they do that, then we're going to do that. D'Amico ran out of moves, not because he wasn't strategic enough, just because of the personnel. So credit Baltimore's ability to adjust, not panic. As most people who took, who laid the 10 were panicking. Trust me, they were. And then, you know, they were able to, uh, uh, you know, that over clicked. You know, it's funny, I sent Russo a text or at the end of the game because he took the over in this game. And it was, it didn't look like Baltimore wanted to score. And then they kicked that late field goal to push the over. And I said, What well, you, you must have called Harbaugh and said, <laughs> yeah, please kick this ball because you won that. So anyway, yeah. I, I thought it was a classic example of, We all expect these games to be over quickly. And some, like today, the Lions-Bucks game, it's going to take a little bit figuring out the adjustments, how everybody wants to do it. And you're going to see this quality of coaching that's required to win a championship in these games.
4: Okay, and real quickly, before we do get into Lions Bucks, because we will, we're going to preview that game as well as Bill's Chiefs at length. Um, but Texans, again, Texans against the Ravens, they were tied to 10 at halftime, 24 unanswered points. Lamar Jackson, who doesn't typically, or at least throughout his career historically, hasn't been the most vocal guy, has been this season. A little bit of a different personality for Lamar Jackson. And he even talked about, he used a lot of words that he couldn't repeat in the postgame press conference at halftime to help get his guys dialed in. and And boy, did it work. And now that team, to me, Looks like the most dangerous remaining here to win a Super Bowl, although it is the San Francisco 49ers who still remain the favorite. They're a close call against Green Bay. Huge for them to escape. Huge for Jordan Love to throw that crossbody pass that's intercepted by Drake right. Greenlaw to seal it. What's your level of concern for the Super Bowl favorite 49ers based on that performance?
3: Well, I mean, look, the first six possessions of the game, Jordan Love was dynamic. 15 for 22, 168 yards, two touchdowns, 120 quarterback rating. Outstanding, right? Tremendous. The last four possessions, he's six for 12, 30 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. So what does that tell us? That Jordan Love all of a sudden got to become a bad player? No. It tells us the 49ers did a really good job of adjusting. They did a really good job of understanding the game plan and adjusting the game plan out. And they did it without any pressure on the quarterback. Think about that, Stormy. Mm-hmm. They got six quarterback pressures the entire day. They got nothing out of Bosa. They got nothing out of Chase Young. They got nothing out of Armstead. They got nothing out of Hargrave in terms of pressures and sacks, right? Those interceptions were not because of the pressure. Those interceptions were because of mistakes. You tip ball, wasn't his fault. And then the then throwing the ball across his body when he shouldn't have. So credit the Niners. Like I think Look, we're not filming a Hollywood movie here. It's not going to be perfect. We're not going through this thing pitching perfect games. You have to overcome obstacles. And I think what we learned from the 49ers is they did. They adjusted. They found a way to win. Look, Purdy was on that last drive. You know, he didn't slide on that last drive. He went head first to get that first down. Like, you could just sense that they knew they had to take the game over. They had to win the game. It's what I call a dictating win. They were, they were struggling, and they finally dictated the outcome with that drive. And credit them. I think it strengthens them. I think this performance strengthens the 49ers, doesn't weaken them.
4: Yeah, I'm with you. And I said earlier in the show, too, I think now looking ahead to the NFC Championship, regardless of who they play, whether it be the Bucks or the Lions, I am going to want to bet San Francisco because I feel like that was a game where it was a really, really tough opponent. They were shocked probably a little bit, had that rust factor too, having not mm-hmm. played. And now they're going to come out and dominate. I just, that's just the the gut feeling that I get, but let's talk about who that potential opponent is going to be. The Bucks right now getting six at draft Kings, the total sitting 49 and a half. That'll be the first game that we see today kicking off at 12 o'clock Pacific three Eastern, both teams, 12 and six ATS this year, tied for the second best mark behind the, the Raiders unders 12 and six in Bucks games, overs 11 and seven in Lions games, initial thoughts, leans, feelings. What do you got?
3: Well, I mean, look, I went back and I've watched this, the game they played down in Tampa earlier, and it was a game where the Bucs couldn't run the football. It was a game where the defensive front of Aleem McNeil, 54, uh, Jones, 94, their inside players, and then they put Hutchinson inside over the guards of the Bucs gave a lot of trouble this this bucks offense was neutralized as good as they are on the outside they struggled baker struggled to throw the ball over what we call the wall they got inside the paint and they created some trouble and i think they have to duplicate that now on the odd on home with crowd noise, it's going to be a real challenge for this Buffalo, for this Tampa Bay offensive line. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to play their best game. They don't run the football effectively, much like Houston yesterday. Houston goes into the game; they can't run it. They're all they become one dimensional, and when you become one dimensional, it's really an issue on the road trying to throw the ball thirty-five plus times. And so, the guards of this the, the Tampa Bay Bucks are going to have to play really well. And I think that's going to be the concern. And my whole feeling all week has been I have a hard time trusting Mayfield when it's going to be a 40-pass game. I just do. I think as skilled players, they have tremendous skilled players, whether it's Godwin, whether it's Evans, and the emergence of Trey Palmer, you know, with his speed. But they don't really run the football, they have to rely on screens. And can that happen? And then on the road, they're not going to blitz Goff to the level that they blitzed Hertz. And Goff has the chance to make plays down the field against the secondary.
4: For inquiring minds, because you do bring up Trey Palmer. Yes, he did wake up pissed off today. I know that's on the radar of a lot of people. For anybody who has no idea what I'm talking about, there is a thing dating back to 2022 that Trey Palmer on game days, Nebraska, or now here in the NFL, if he tweets on X that he woke up pissed off, he scores a touchdown. So, in case you were wondering, plus four fifty anytime touchdown twenty to one. If yeah, you but that doesn't he relate to first.
3: winning, though, does it relate to winning? No, but props to winning like to props to winning props,
4: Michael. We, the, we can win I in any it. way okay. as a betting network. But, but yes, okay. Let's um let's keep this rolling though. From from a prop standpoint, there here here real quickly. I am of the belief that both teams are going to be able to score points in this game. Pass defenses on both sides aren't great. Baker Mayfield, would you rather that he goes over one-and-a-half passing touchdowns or Jared Goff goes over one-and-a-half passing touchdowns and take the price into consideration because Goff is minus 160?
3: Well, I think they're going to have to throw the football, right? I I think they're going to have to throw the ball. Look, I think the better play here is, is to take Mayfield. Uh, because they can't run the ball in. I mean, they're not going to run the ball in on the Lions. I mean, this we saw that right. last week. We saw that with the with the, with the, uh, the the Rams. The Rams had a hard; they couldn't run the ball in, and the Rams can run the ball more effectively than the Bucks. So I lean towards Mayfield having one, and he's going to have to throw it in the end zone to win the game. Right. So I lean that direction.
4: I think so, too. And and Michael, you can tell me what you think about this. You know, I love my teasers and I'm trying to I already have one for the other game later on tonight. But for the, the Lions Bucks game, I'm trying to decide if I would feel more confident teasing the Lions down to just win to just win, baby, like we love to say here. We're a Raiders Mm -hmm. program as well. Or the the Buccaneers, if I want to tease them up to 12. Regardless, I'm going to tease the total down and go over 43 and a half. But as far as the side, what what side would you feel more confident in?
3: I I really feel like uh, the Lions will win the game. I I don't have a sense that the way Campbell coaches and the way he puts pressure on that this is going to be, the game's going to be too big for the Lions. I mean, look, Jared Goff's played in Super Bowls, right? And so, like, this isn't something that's going to be foreign to him. Like, he understands how to play in these games, and I, and I think he'll play, and, and they have a really good plan. You know, when you've played a team twice, you kind of have a mm-hmm. sense of what they want to do. And I think Ben Johnson will have a really good answer for any of the blitzes. Their protections will be sound against them. Because remember, they're coming from the Saints program, okay? So, so this, whole, this whole Detroit Lions scheme is rooted in the New Orleans Saints-Sean Payton program. And how many times has Sean Payton going against Todd Bowles? A lot. So they're pretty familiar with how he wants to blitz, what his indicators are, how he's trying to attack the protections. So I think they'll have a good handle. And if they can protect, which I believe they can with their offensive line, they're going to make some plays. I think the game is going to be dictated that way.
4: And they are at home again. I know that this has been a big question this week about the weather. They do play indoors. Just want to make sure that we re-cement that for our audience at home. Uh, We're going to step aside still to come this hour. ESPN's Booger McFarland is going to join us, get some of his takes on what we saw last night and what to expect earlier, uh, a little bit later on today. We also have more of these betters' choice, would you rather prop options. So going to pick the mind of Michael Lombardi when we come back.
3: This is the Lombardi
0: Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, here is your host, Stormy
3: Bonatone, on VCEN, the sports betting network.
4: If you haven't already, check out the new We have a fresh new look, enhanced navigation, and a mobile-first focus. Time is money in sports betting, and the site's pages have been built to load quickly. We also have expanded our educational content and strategy sections. Whether you're new or experienced better, make sure you check out the new vcin.com today. If you have any questions about the sun setting on the vcin app as well, please go to vcin.com slash FAQ for our questions page. Continuing to preview all things, Divisional round weekend, two great games yesterday and a couple on tap today. Let's get into the game of the evening, Chiefs taken on the Buffalo Bills out there at Orchard Park. This is the seventh mm-hmm. meeting between Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. But just the second time that they have played in Buffalo, which is significant. We had met Perino on the show earlier today, Buffalo beat reporter who said that first game, if you remember no fans in the stand, it was a COVID impacted game, yeah. very different environment than they're going to have today for Patrick Mahomes. First road playoff game, Michael.
3: I, you know, Look, Patrick Mahomes won two Super Bowls. He's great. He's not going to be the problem. problem's going to be communication. The problem's going to be changing the play. The problem's going to be the play clock. The problem's going to be false starts. The problem's going to be the offensive line. Mm. It's going to be all the things that affect Mahomes. It's easy to say, you know, Mahomes is on the road. Well, he's 8-1-1 one, and, one, and when he's the underdog. So I think he can handle <laughs> tough situations. You know, to me, this is really going to put the pressure on the – Kansas City offensive line. Are they going to be able to handle everything? Communication. Are they going to be able to control the line of scrimmage, give Mahomes times he needs? Even though I don't feel like Buffalo's defense is an elite pass rush unit, they're really good. They're well coached. They're fundamental. They're missing two of their best linebackers. A.J. Klein has to now be the green dot player. So they get Rasul Douglas back, which certainly helps. You know, But I think when you break the game down, the first time is Pacheco wasn't playing. So they had to go with Edwards Hilaire, who's not the same running back, even though he's a first rounder and Pacheco's a seventh rounder. Pacheco's the better player, clearly. Harder, tougher, more physical runner. And when you watch this when you watch this Kansas City team over the last two weeks, when they kind of got their act going a little bit, you know, I know it was Cincinnati and they're not a great defense, but they, they kind of got their act going a little bit and, and they were able to to do some things. And especially they did it against I know Miami had a ton of injuries, but they were good against Miami. You know, I, I think Mahomes over the last, since the Raider disaster where they just turned it over, since that game, they've been very methodical. They've been willing to take the profits within their offense. And Andy Reid knows Sean McDermott's defense. He knows his adjustments. He understands all those things. And because of that, I think the second game plan is always going to be more about what McDermott does than how Andy Reid, what he does. This game, to me, all comes down to early in the game, if this chief line is playing well, I think the chiefs win but if this chief line is struggling and mahomes is faced with third and 15 second and 15 too many false starts then I think it's going to be a really uphill battle for them.
4: Yeah, again, that environment certainly will play a role. If you think that Kansas City can win it outright, the money line price it in plus 124 right now. But plus two and a half, the spread, we've seen that tick back and forth from the three. Every time we get to that number, people are betting Kansas City. And then it toggles right back to that two and a half. And and yeah. Sportsbook's trying to see people buying in on Buffalo once again. <laughs>
3: You know Stormy in the first game, you know, you go back and study the first game. The Chiefs were the better offense that day. They turned it over twice. But the Chiefs averaged 5.6 yards per play and the Buffalo Bills averaged 4.5 per play. It wasn't like this notion that Buffalo is this elite offense since Joe Barry's taken over, since Joe Brady's taken over, but they had the ball for 35 minutes in the game. That was the difference in the game. They had the They control. They kept the Kansas City offense off the field, and it, Kansas City still outgained them. They still outgained them, three forty-six to three twenty-seven. They only had 60, They had sixty-two plays in, in the in twenty-four minutes. So I, I don't think there's enough we, – we have lumped things. We're making this connection. Well, Kansas City's offense isn't good. They're not the same offense. That doesn't mean they're not good. They're not the explosive offense. They can't make explosive plays. We know that. They have to be methodical in what they do. But they still can do things well. They still do things very effectively, you know. And so I think when you look at that – I mean, the last game they played, the longest pass play was 23 yards. They're not going to make explosive plays, but they, if they can run the ball with an upgrade at Pacheco and they create some problems for, Kansas, for Buffalo with their communication because of the new Green Dot player, they'll, have a, they'll be in this at the end. Again, it all comes down to the offensive line.
4: And and to your point, too, Michael, like this, people learned the hard way last year in the Super Bowl, right? Doubting Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and that group against the Eagles when they were an underdog and learned pretty quickly that, no, they seem to find a way. And in in that earlier regular season matchup for the Bills, it was a 20 to 17 win for them. That is what kickstarted coming out of the bye this win streak that they've been on where they've won seven of their last eight games. The only loss was that overtime matchup where they lost by a field goal. So there's a certain level of confidence that they have. Have, but I still feel like, okay, but it's also Patrick Mahomes and his receivers because Rasheed Rice isn't dropping balls anymore like Kadarius Tony had, who, by the way, is unavailable for this game as this guy wore. You know, things have turned around a little bit for them. I want to ask you about Travis Kelsey, though, because a, a lot has been made of this season being a down year for him and he is getting a little bit older. He hasn't scored a touchdown in the last seven games. That is the longest he has gone in his career without scoring a touchdown. Does that turn the tide today?
3: No, I don't think so. Look, I think Kelsey's issues are are, I don't know if he's healthy because I'm not there with the medical, and he's not the same player. Nobody really doubles him. His hands have really not been the same. And for me, always what I've learned is when a player's legs start to lose themselves, so do his hands. And, you know, he's going to need to play a big game. But I don't think Sean McDermott's going into this game saying, "Uh oh, we got to double him. I think you got to be really aware of him in the red zone, and I think you got to be concerned about him on critical downs. But it isn't like he's a matchup nightmare. I think what they've got to do is control Mahomes in the pocket and not let those second plays create themselves, where Mahomes can move around and then make a play to Kelsey, then make a play to Rasheed Rice. I think that's going to be the concern. And you know, the first game. Kelsey had one catch for 23 yards. I mean, it wasn't like he was dominant in that game. I I just don't see on the tape where anybody's sitting there like we've done in the past saying, okay, we got to take Kelsey out of this game. He's going to kill us. And if we don't, you know, if we don't, we're going to have problems. The first game, Kelsey had t- 10 targets, averaged 13.8 a catch. It was one of his better days. Yeah.
4: I'm a, Let's hit you with a couple of these would-you-rather props. The first one does involve Travis Kelsey, but I don't know how you feel about the matchup specifically. So as our betters' choice continues, would you rather bet Travis Kelsey to have the most receiving yards in the game, plus 230, or Stefan Diggs, plus 220?
3: I think I'd rather have Kelsey because I think going into this game, they're going to take Diggs away. Everybody has mm-hmm. kind of done that. The last game, Diggs had 11 targets in the game, 11. He had four catches for 24 yards. His long catch was nine. I mean, Spagnola does a really good job of handling that, right? So I think, to me, I would go with Kelsey because, you know, Kelsey's – the loose plays, the ability of Kelsey to move around is going to be interesting.
4: Now, granted, you might not think that either one of the quarterbacks are going to get over 300 yards, but these are plus-money props, so I'm throwing them at you anyways. Would you rather bet Patrick Mahomes to go over 325 at 5-1 to one, or Josh Allen to eclipse 300 at 5-1? to one?
3: I think I'd rather go Josh Allen. I think the Chiefs have to run the ball. But to get to to uh, 500, you know, to get to this number, I, I think to me uh, – you need a lot of explosive plays, and I just don't know if the Chiefs can do that.
4: Good point, and I know we talked about Isaiah Pacheco earlier, his rushing yards prop sitting at 60-and-a-half. That is one I I do lean over for for Pacheco to go over that number. What do you think of the (sighs) 60-and-a-half?
3: You know, Mm -hmm. I I think that makes some sense. I I think I would do that. You know, Pacheco over six. I think he's got to do that. Right. I would go with Pacheco more than Cook because Cook's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be what Matt said earlier in the show. I think Allen's going to get some carries. Pacheco's got to be the guy. Pacheco's got to be the guy.
4: James Cook's prop set at 62 and a half. That's minus 115. Pacheco over the 60 and a half minus 125 on DraftKings right now. But to your point about the rush yards, Josh Allen's rushing yards prop is at 42 and a half right now. And it is juice minus 140. We saw obviously what he was able to do breaking off one run for 52 yards and a score last week. Patrick Mahomes, his numbers twenty-seven and a half 27 and a half at minus 120. I, preference either way there.
3: Uh,
4: I, I, <laughs> These that are tricky. I know. One. I think that I might even on. lean Mahomes because it's a it's a lower number and you know he's gonna take off at some yeah, point. He's gonna
3: have to run, right? And I think Allen he had ten carries for thirty two yards in the first game, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, you are going into the game if you are Steve Spagnuolo, you are going in the game saying I got to stop this, I got to stop Allen from running, I got to stop quarterback draw, I got to stop quarterback power, I got to stop quarterbacks. Like they've practiced all those Mahomes runs, you don't practice. Like, Mahomes doesn't go into the game running quarterback draw. He doesn't go into the game running quarterback power. He creates those plays when he moves around. And those are hard to practice
4: good stuff we will have our our favorite bets and leans at the end of the show today for both of the divisional round matchups coming up tonight sides props same game teasers you already know but first when we come back ESPN's Booger McFarlane is going to join us get some of his reaction to what we saw yesterday and who his favorite team is to win this year's Super Bowl don't go anywhere
0: NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, here is your host, Stormy
5: Bonatoni, on V
3: the sports betting network.
4: DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL postseason, is bringing you an offer that'll help make the playoffs that much more electrifying. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. All you got to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use our code VSIN. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook. The code again, VSIN, V-S-I-N. The crown is yours. Michael Lombardi and Stormy Bonantoni with you as we welcome you back into the Lombardi line. Excited to welcome in now ESPN football analyst and 2 Super Bowl champ, Booger McFarlane on the line as we saw the Ravens and 49ers both get through to their respective conference championships last night. You've been there, done that, you know what it takes to win it all. Who is the mo- more dangerous one seed based on what you've seen here so far, Bug?
5: Well, I think you'd have to say Baltimore. I mean, they looked apart. The part. Uh, their defense is playing outstanding. Uh, Lamar for the first time this season, I thought yesterday really uh, kind of put the cape on and, and, and was kind of vintage Lamar running the football, 100 yards rushing. Um, they started kind of slow, but in the end, I, I think Baltimore uh, really looks the part. And it's going to—they're going to be a tough out. It's going to take a team that can do two things to beat them. One, you got to be able to match their physicality because in every game, at some point, they're going to line up and, and they're going to bring Ricard in and they're going to put the tight ends there and, and they're going to challenge you physically. And then you're going to have to do what I thought D'Amico Ryan did a really good job of, adjusting to Lamar. Everyone wants to kind of sit back and be afraid of Lamar Jackson. I think it's proven by Pittsburgh and other teams that see them a lot. And even D'Amico yesterday, uh, I thought, did a really good job. When you want to get Lamar uncomfortable, you got to bring at least five and sometimes six. You got to bring people uh, at him in the pocket and take away – his ability to see free grass. So it's going to be interesting to see as they go forward how many teams try that theory that we saw uh, yesterday from D'Amico Ryan.
3: Hard to, you know, I mean, I think D'Amico's front because of the speed and athleticism allowed him to do that. Sometimes I'm not sure that a lot of these teams have the speed to catch up to him. But I thought Lamar showed something yesterday, Booger. I thought he showed the ability to adjust and throw the short passing game with accuracy, with rhythm, with timing. And to me, I agree with you. The completeness of their offense makes them the most dangerous team that I'm watching come playoff time.
5: Yeah, I, I would agree, and, and if we're going to you know, give Lamar credit, you got to give offensive coordinator Todd Munkin credit also because they got sacked the last two plays of the first half, and, I mean, the heat was coming, it was a tie game, and all of a sudden they come out. And I thought the adjustments, to your point, uh, Mike, the short passing game, the design quarterback run, uh, you know, the, the, they faked the power and did the naked bootleg with Ronnie Stanley out front, lead blocking. Those are some of the subtle adjustments that Todd Munkin made to say okay D'Amico if you're going to bring pressure you're going to bring five and six how do we counter that we're going to counter that by the short passing game and the design quarterback run
4: meanwhile it is still the San Francisco 49ers who are the favorite right now to win this year Super Bowl what were some things that you took away from the performance yesterday and what they need to do if they really want a chance to win it all in a year that they seem poised to throughout the most of the the season
5: You know, like the biggest thing I took away is that I think if you're Green Bay, you're going to sit back and say, we lost that game. The game was 7-6 at halftime, and Green Bay had outplayed the 49ers. Uh, They went for it on fourth down, didn't get it. Uh, They kicked two field goals, and they outplayed the 49ers. And then at some point, again, a physical football team, Kyle Shanahan finally said, you know what? Let's get a football to Christian McCaffrey. Let's throw it to George Kittle. And the the, the first touchdown drive in in the second half that they had – that's how they got it. It was big play to Kittle, long run by McCaffrey, and that kind of got the thing rolling. But my biggest takeaway really is wasn't it wasn't about the Forty Nineers, uh, even though they made some plays late. I thought Purdy was uh, average at best yesterday. Uh, you know, I, I was sitting with a, a quarterback that said he's not comfortable. I said, "What do you mean?" It's like, well, he's taking the glove off. He's put the glove on. He's taking the glove back off. He and I are about the same size he's having trouble with the wet football. I said, but it stopped branding. He's like, yeah, but the grass is still wet. And so that's something to take a look at because he did not play well yesterday. He had the one good drive at the end of the game and and, and they won and everybody says all is well. But if you're Kyle Shanahan, and and, and Mike, I, I know you like to do this, you go back and look at the tape, you got to ask yourself, okay, how am I going to beat Tampa or Detroit? More importantly, how am I going to beat Baltimore uh, or Kansas City or Buffalo if my quarterback is inconsistent the way he was yesterday. And you can blame it on the rain, but if you go back to last month of the season, Brock Purdy hasn't played well, and that's got to be really alarming to Kyle Shanahan.
3: You know, I I agree. I I think to me, but I'm sure Kyle's going to feel like, okay, we kind of worked our way through it. I don't think their line played very well either, Booger. I thought that the Green Bay defensive front was in control. I thought they gave him some pressure too. And I'm not absolving. I'm with you. I don't think he played well. I think the football bothered him, his accuracy. You know, I thought all those things. But what I was most impressed was, I I thought the game would be a higher-scoring game. I thought it might get to the 30s because I I don't believe that all this rhetoric that the Niners are this elite defense. I think you can throw the ball at them. Now, Jordan Love was not good on the last four drives of the game. He struggled. But to me, there is a weakness in this 49er defense. And last night, you being the great defensive lineman that you were in the league, that defensive line didn't really exert itself against the Packers.
5: You know, it's it's crazy you mentioned it. I sent out a tweet about midway through the first quarter, and I said, hmm, a team that's built on rushing a passer really isn't good at rushing a passer anymore. And it sounds crazy, but if you look at the 49ers, uh, I mean, Bosa didn't didn't have an impact on the game. Armstead, Hargrave, like those guys didn't have the impact on the game that you expect a, a defensive line that has, I mean, Bosa's making, what, 25 a year. Armstead is close to 20. Hargrave to 20. Like, you got a lot of money tied up in that defensive line. And I thought, for the most part, the, the Packer offensive line neutralized them. And so, uh, you know, th- there's been some back and forth all year long because Steve Wilkes has heard about this great defensive line, but he's also watching the film where they aren't getting sacks. And so when Steve starts to blitz, they go, whoa, 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 we don't blitz here. And they're like, okay, well, if you're not getting to the quarterback, And I don't blitz, and now my secondary looks vulnerable. And so there's got to be some give and take. And if you follow the 49ers all season long, there's kind of been a little back and forth between the new guy on the block, Steve Wilks, and the old defense that has a lot of veteran players on it. And if you watched the game last night, I think if you're Detroit or you're Tampa and you go to San Francisco, you got to say, we feel really comfortable going against this defense because the Packers ran the football. And Jordan Love was pretty comfortable back there. So I'm with you. The defense that was so vaunted a couple of years ago with Bosa and Armstead and Hargrave and all and it's, and now we got Chase Young and we're just gonna overwhelm you with our defensive line, they really didn't do that last night. And that's, that's really alarming for a team with so many resources at that one position.
4: And as a 49ers fan, I hate seeing it. Uh, ESPN's Booger McFarland joining us here on the Lombardi line. Your former team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, played seven seasons there, won a Super Bowl with that group. They've got the Lions coming up here in just a little bit, a few hours away. What's your expectations for the Bucs today in Ford Field taking on a Lions team that has waited so long for this opportunity?
5: Yeah, you know, that's what they said last week about the Lions. They, they waited so long. And, and, I, and I got two concerns, and I think it's one for each team. If you're the Detroit Lions and you heard about everything, we hadn't won a playoff game in 100 years and you win last week, are you automatically going to assume that it's going to be the same way this week? And do they come out flat? Do they come out saying, we've already broken the streak, now, now what? And so I want to see how the Lions play. And number two, if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you got to survive the first five to seven minutes of the game. And so it wouldn't surprise me, and, and we've seen this a couple of times already, Mike and Stormy, win the toss, take the ball, because you want to get off to a good start. Even though the analytics say you win the toss, you defer so you can get the ball at the start of the second half and you have an opportunity to control the middle eight. And so it's just going to be, a, it's going to be interesting to me if Todd Bowles and the Bucks win the toss, do you take the ball and try to quiet this crowd early? get your team comfortable, get Baker comfortable, because if Baker Mayfield is comfortable at four Field, the Buccaneers have enough weapons offensively and enough weapons defensively to go in there and get the job done.
3: Yeah, I agree. This game is going to come down to the defensive tackles. When they put Hutchinson inside in the first game, that really was a problem for the Bucs to block him. And if you get inside of Baker, like we talked about with Purdy, he'll play small. And if he plays small, it's going to be hard for the Bucks. That's the way I see it. I agree with you. I think, to me, it's all about comfort if he's playing small
5: inside. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting because if you look at the Bucs, uh, other than Tristan Wirth's, The dead offensive line has been inconsistent. They got a a lot of young guys on that offensive line. Jensen is not playing at center. Uh, He's been out all season and kind of where the Buccaneers, you know, this is this year was supposed to be a rebuilding year. They got about 80 million in dead money uh, from the Tom Brady years. And they kind of took it in the offensive line, starting a couple of rookies, couple of second year guys. And so, uh, yeah, if you're Detroit, you got to take advantage of what I call the weakness, because if Baker's got time, his skill position, guys, of Edwins and Godwin and 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 the tight end, Otten, and, and this new guy, Trey Palmer, they got a lot of weapons out there. So it's going to be imperative for Detroit to make sure they make Baker Mayfield uncomfortable.
4: We're up against it, Boog, but yes or no, is Jaden Daniels going to leapfrog Drake May for second QB off the board?
5: Well, he shouldn't leapfrog and His performance this season has shown you that hey. he's the better quarterback. There you go. There awesome you go, Booger.
3: Stuff. I love it. Thank, thank, thank you,
5: man. You. Later. This is the
0: Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni,
3: on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Here on the Lombardi line, come join us. Become a VSINP Pro subscriber today, and you'll get unlimited access to our VCN.com/slash picks page. We know how you love the picks. Plus, when you use our promo code for the Lombardi line, you'll get an extra 10% off that annual subscription. Promo code Lombardi. You'll get all of the picks from our show hosts and guests every single day, as well as the ones we are about to give out right now in case you miss them. Because Michael, your girl has some SGTs. Uh-oh. Some same game on. teasers. Very there stuff. we go. All right. So I'm going to run my first one by you. Get your opinion. Mm-hmm. See what you think. I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs up from yep. the two and a half or a three to a nine. So try to get the three if you can so you can just do the six point teaser instead of the six and a half. But whatever it takes, get it up to the nine. Okay. And then yeah. we're going to take that total up to take under 52. Thoughts?
3: I like it. I I just think, to me, this is a game where there is going to be a ground game element to it. Um, And we know that kicking in this weather can be a little bit – you know, there's going to be some wind. We know that. Balls are hard to kick. Field goals range is a little bit reduced. So uh, the clock's going to go. It was a 20-17 to game. In Kansas City, that's 37. I think at 52, you're pretty safe. I, I mm-hmm. think they put the number to start off with at 48, and it's ticked all the way down, well, 46, and now it's somewhere between 45 and a half. hasn't really moved. Mm-hmm. I don't see this game being a, a 27, you know, 20 uh, 24 game. I think kind of it's you're safe there. I think it's both. I think it's going to be 2017, 21, four, yeah. 21, 14, somewhere in there.
4: That's the vibe that I feel as well. And Kansas City has been a really, really good bet to the under this season as a whole. 13 and 5 to the under. Their last four straight games have all gone under the posted total and five of their last six. It's just a feeling that I get. This is a team that this season, while we're so used to them being offensive and it's Patrick Mahomes and it's Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid and all the things, they've primarily been winning games this year on the relying on their defense so that's the way that I'm playing that one and now let's go to the early game of the day the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Lions I was asking you opinions on where we should go with the side and we agreed we're just going to bring that Detroit Lions team down all they got to do is win all we need you to do is win Detroit and then we're going to take the total down and take over 43 and a half so we think at least I think we're going to get points on both sides
3: I think so, too. I I think, you know, look, the secondary for Detroit we know is a liability. But can you block? Can this front block him? I think Booger made a good point that this offensive line isn't necessarily always the best line. You know, they've had struggles. And we know Baker – I mean, look, Baker scored nine points against against the Carolina Panthers on the road. Now, I understand he was hurt, right? But this, we have seen Baker go high and low. Green Bay, he was sensational, right? Against New Orleans at home when he was healthy, he wasn't very good. So a lot of it has to do with do you understand how to attack Baker Mayfield – when he's the quarterback in the pocket. If you do and you pressure him in the paint, you'll have a good day. If you allow him to have passing lanes and run in the quick the quick game, you're going to have a little bit of trouble. you got to put him on, in an uncomfortable situation, and I think that's the case. So I do think there's going to be points in the game. I think there's no question about that. I think both teams can move it. I think the Lions gain the advantage because I do think they understand how to play Baker.
4: Sure. I just can't get away from the fact that like 425 total yards allowed to the Rams this past week. Um, four straight games, the Lions defense has allowed a 100-yard receiver. I just feel like there's going to be somebody who's going to get let loose, and Tampa's going to get their points, but I, I don't think that they're going to win the game, so that's the way that I'm playing it from that standpoint, and we know that the Bucks' pass defense isn't great either, so we'll have opportunities either way. Um, when we were looking at some of those props earlier in this game, and one of them w- was from a standpoint of Baker Mayfield passing we talked about whether or not you'd take his over one and a half touchdowns or Jared Goff's over one and a half touchdowns but for his passing yards prop, you can do one for him to go over 300 where it's a significant plus money option whether or not like he's able to score do we think that the yardage could be there that you could get a big plus money prop on him to go over 300 or even just over the standard 260 and a half because that's where the bulk of money has gone on Baker today
3: you know, I think to me, if the Bucks win, they are got to throw the football, right? If you think the Bucks are going to score points, they got to throw it. They're going to have to make big plays. They're have no they not going to run the ball against this front on the road. It's going to be very challenging. Could they break a long run? Anything's possible, right? But for the down after down after down, it's going to be hard to block these guys consistently. The Detroit Lions front seven. They're good at playing the run. Where they're not good is playing the pass. And where the Lions have to gain the advantage is what they did when they played Baker in Tampa is pressure him inside. Get your hands up. Have length inside too. That's a key. Baker has a hard time throwing the ball over guys that can get their hands up that are tall. You know he's an undersized quarterback. He averages six tips a, ball, a game, whereas people, the defense gets the ball, hands on their ball too often. And the pocket last week against Philly was clean. When they got a little pressure on him, all of a sudden Philly was it wasn't very good. Now the problem was Philly couldn't get a lot of pressure on him. So you know, if if you like the bucks to throw the football and win the game, then I think you got to play the over 300.
4: Michael, what would you say is your strongest lean for today, side or total in either game?
3: I think my strongest lean would be the under in, in the Buffalo-Kansas City game. I like Kansas City in the two. I wish it was three. I would be all over it. It three doesn't last, I think we're making too much out of Mahomes' first road game. I worry about their offensive line. But what, I'm, what drives me towards Kansas City is Andy Reid's second time. Everybody's on Buffalo. It's universal that everybody is on Buffalo, right? Everybody thinks Buffalo's going to just go right to the Super Bowl. I actually think it's the year of Harbaugh. Mm. I really do. I think Buffalo's going to run into a Harbaugh and lose if they (laughs) happen to. I, I, I put a lot of faith in their ability. The last two weeks, Kansas City's offense, because they've become more into Pacheco Lane, and I think that can cause some problems because Buffalo's just not healthy. It's hard to lose as many guys as Buffalo's lost on defense. And I think Mahomes will be careful with the football. And let's face it, as great as Josh Allen is, he's been prone to turn it over.
4: To year thought process about this being the year of Harbaugh, up at DraftKings right now, they have some AFC and NFC conference championship look-ahead lines, which by the way, if you're looking for these on the DraftKings website, it's under its own tab of NFL conference championship mythical matchup odds. I just like the way that they termed it there, but Baltimore is a three-point favorite where things sit right now, regardless of who their opponent is going to be in the Chiefs or Buffalo.
3: Right, I Chiefs. Let's go. Bills. Lions. Look ahead. Wow. You know, the look, the Bucs went out there and played San Francisco. And, and if you watch that game closely, all right, the Bucs moved the ball. They, they did a little bit like what Green Bay did. Now, they got beat badly. They didn't cover – they would have covered the 10 in that game. The Niners eventually got control of the game. They didn't have an answer for – the Bucs had no answer. The Lions, to me, would present a problem because they can block. Their offensive line can pass protect. And we saw Green Bay move the ball. I think Booger made the great point. They got all this money in their defensive front. Nobody mentioned it yesterday, but where was their defensive front? So there, I I, I think the line is set. I think the Ravens are the best team in the AFC, no matter who they play. And I think three is the right number. It'll get action on both sides.
4: Yeah, I agree with that thought process as well. To go back to what you said about the 49ers, though, and their opponent, if it were to be the Lions, do you think – that how the Lions win today, should they like we anticipate that they will? Do you think that that number will change? Or where things sit? Is that a fair sitting right below a touchdown spread?
3: I think it's going to stay below a touchdown. We could see the betting market bet it. But remember, the betting market with the fans are all predicated based on what they saw last. True, And nobody's watching. Nobody thinks the 49ers were very good last. You know, don't think we gave enough respect to the Packers. I know the Cowboys didn't. Right. I know the Cowboys didn't. And I think that the the Packers, other than other than the the last four drives where Love wasn't very good and he turned the ball over. I think to me, the Packers are a good team. So, you know, I I feel like this is the best thing for Kyle Shanahan. the worst thing that could happen to him is go out there and dominate. And now you got to get your team. He went out there and his team didn't play well and he won. So now he's got a week where he can come back and say, "Fellas, look, it's there for us. We we were able to get a win. It was it was it wasn't a, it wasn't a dominating win." It actually was a dangerous win, frankly. We didn't play our best football. We have to, a lot of work to do, and we need this week to get ready.
4: I agree. I think that that was such a wake-up call. It was necessary, and that was a tough opponent. Green Bay, I told you all week long, I was so scared that that was our opponent, being the 49ers fan that I am, because of the way that they were peaking the back end of the season and how dialed in Jordan Love was. So for them, even despite all of the issues that they had in that game, to be able to claw out a win and seal it the way they did with the McCaffrey touchdown with just over a minute to go and the Dre Greenlaw interception like I think that they have woken up they know that they have a lot of work to do if they want to be the team that they've been talked about all season long so yeah and, and they know they can't rely on the front
3: like yeah, they're gonna have exactly to, the, one good thing they had the good thing they had Wilkes there because Wilkes blitzed if they would have had someone else you know that was just prone to that system they might not have.
4: Good stuff, as always, Michael. I will see you tomorrow. But everybody out there, good luck with your bets today. We will have those SGTs in the VSEN.com picks page. Just just you wait. But keep it locked right here on VSEN. Mike Samich and Matt Brown will be here next.
2: Sumo Play.